Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rediscover the Winds, a Wyoming history podcast. Hello, I'm Randy Wise from the Lander Pioneer Museum, and uh, we are here for our uh, podcast today. We're going to be talking about geography and geology, which is where our history comes from. Much of what we do or did or have done here is dependent on the landscape. And uh, Stevie and I today will be talking about the landscapes of primarily Dubois and Lander, although we will be talking a little bit about Riverton as well. So I'll let Stevie introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Stevie from the Dubois Museum. And yeah, like Randy said, today is Geology and Geography Day. And I'm a huge nerd, so I think it's really interesting. Try to bear with us while we talk about rocks and mountain building events and different kinds of ancient landscapes, and we don't have any visuals for you. But close your eyes and use your imagination. See what happens. You know, as you drive around Fremont County, there there are just a myriad of uh, landforms, lots of different geology you can talk about. We'll try and keep it Fairly simple, because we need to keep it simple, because we're not trained geologists. <laughs> um, but but there are some things we should talk about that going way, way back before what we see today uh, is around us. And jump in anytime, Stevie, when you sure. want to add something. Uh, you know, our geology goes back 4.5 billion years. I mean, again, it's an old planet, uh, old area. And all of the stuff that came before sort of needs to be mentioned because that's what gets us to where we're at today geologically. So at the beginning, we're a big molten ball of, of magma, <laughs> of magma and, and eventually over time that cools uh, and starts creating what I, I understand the term to be basement rocks, which is the, you know, the really, really old rocks that are the core of the uh, mantle. Um, and uh, very hard rocks, very, very, uh, you know, have been deformed and melted and deformed and melted over millennia. Eventually, time passes, much time. Uh, again, geolog- geologic time is a really hard concept to get your head around, but it's in the billions of years. We eventually start seeing life develop on the planet and water in particular. Uh, so, again, we get huge uh, oceans covering much of the planet. And over, again, millennia, uh, sedimentary rock is laid down. And I'm going to talk specifically about Wyoming because the sedimentary rock is really important to our geology, uh, if for no other reason than the oil and gas and the coal, because that's where a lot of that uh, stuff is, is in the sedimentary rock. So over, again, millions and millions of years, uh, the geologists uh, that I've read say the Oceans came and the oceans went. The oceans came and the oceans went. Uh, Again, over a massive period of time. And each of those oceans is depositing uh, sediment. Uh, It's either sediment from volcanoes that are going off or sediment from erosion of the land masses that are moving around, uh, around the globe. And that sediment builds up to thousands and thousands of feet of uh, layers, and then... It's in those layers, too, that you find some really good fossils, mm-hmm. which is also a part of the reason that Wyoming is so great mm-hmm. for fossil Absolutely. hunting. Yeah. Uh, it accumulates in all of those marine sediments mm-hmm. and everything that dies and settles to the bottoms of all those oceans and lakes and ancient bodies of water. That's where all of our fossils come mm-hmm. from. Yeah, and Wyoming is world-known, uh, known around the world for the uh, fossils we have. Uh, our dinosaurs are in museums all over the world. Um, so... Again, millions and millions of years pass, and the sediments build up and are compressed by weight and heat 
and turn into rock. So we hint, hey, we get sandstone, we get limestone, limestone being the basically calcium from the sea creatures that you know inhabited those oceans that came and went and came and went and came and went. A lot of shales in the a lot, area. A too. lot of shale. Mm-hmm. So we're jumping ahead again. <laughs> again, we're skipping big chunks of the geologic record here uh, to keep it concise. Uh, uh, but the, the mountains start to rise. We have what are called orogenies, which are mountain building events. And those are happening uh, all, over the, uh, all over the land masses of the earth. But in Wyoming, we have the Rockies starting to rise. And that changes things dramatically, pushes those oceans away. Uh, that basement rock or that Precambrian uh, rock starts pushing up through the s- thousands and thousands of feet of sent- sedimentary rock and tilting them. Uh, so you have mountains punching through, literally punching through the crust of the sedimentary rock, tilting that sedimentary rock so it can start to erode. At the same time the mountains are rising, the basins are, are dropping. So again, we have faults and things that are all over the area. So the Wind River Basin at one time was much lower and deeper, uh, and the mountains were much higher. But as the as those events are happening, erosion is happening because there is weather and there is wind and there is uh, 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 glaciation, which we'll come to later. And the the erosion, if I can just mm-hmm. chime in for one second, um, part of the reason that there is so much erosion is because you have those soft uh, sedimentary rocks. So your limestones and your shales, um, they all erode much faster than those rocks that are forming the mountains, those metamorphic rocks like granite. They're much, much harder and can withstand the wind and the rain and the glaciers much, much better. So um, as these mountains are rising, they're being very quickly eroded, mm-hmm. eroded down by just very simple weathering events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, over over a massive amount of time. And, and different things are happening too, uh, ecologically. The dinosaurs have come and gone. Uh, you know, the... the the Pleistocene mammals have come and gone, so there's lots of different things happening, uh, it, as well as the geology, because things are living on the planet as all this stuff is happening uh, uh, over the over the millennia. Um, that uh, sedimentary rock that is filling up the Wind River Basin is called the Wind River Formation, for the most part. You know, you'll see lots of outcrops of it. A lot of that multicolored uh, stone you see in the Badlands outside of Dubois, the Badlands outside of Boyson. That's all Wind River rock or Wind River formation, but it's a mix of sedimentary rocks that have flown down off of the mountains, which surround the Wind River Basin. It's not just the Wind River Range. It's also the Elk Creek Range, the Absaroka Range. The it, It's not there anymore, but the range that... Uh, What's left of it is Beaver Rim. There were mountains all around the Wind River Basin, and all of them are shedding all of this rock uh, and soil and stuff into the basin, filling it up. At one, at eventually during the, uh, let me get my right uh, epoch here. Uh, by the Eocene age, Wyoming is a big flat plain. Mm-hmm. You don't see mountains other than tiny little nubs of things sticking out because so much erosion has happened and filled up those basins that they basically become level with the mountains. And uh, so we get to a point where Lander, well, not Lander, Wyoming, or the Wind River Basin would look a lot like Kansas. Right. Just flat. (laughs) Uh, And that leads us to our next (laughs) big geologic uh, change, which is another uplift. Uh, again, the mountains start rising. Again, uh, the orogenies happen periodically, and the mountains start rising. The erosion process starts over again, uh, and this time, a lot of that soil is being 
are washed into the bigger river drainages, the Mississippi and the Missouri, uh, and it is eventually building up the southeastern coast. A lot of, uh, I've read, uh, I can't remember which geologist, but uh, geologist has talked about how Louisiana is made out of Wyoming. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> so- soil that flowed out of the Rockies uh, and flowed eventually down into the into the southeastern part of the United States. So the rivers are working uh, big lakes are coming and going at this point, too. Uh, most of southwestern Wyoming was one or two big lakes. The Great Salt Lake is a remnant of, that of, big lake. of the big lakes. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go to Fossil Butte National Monument down around Kemmerer uh, in southwestern uh, Wyoming, that's uh, a fantastic site with lots of fossils from the lakes, and they have alligator fossils and turtle fossils and uh, all of these uh, mammals or, or animals that we think of as... Uh, Swamp dwellers, which Wyoming was a swamp at that point, big swamp. Um, so that gets us up to, geologically speaking, about the present, which is the glaciers. Uh, over the last two million years, roughly, uh, there have been three major glacial events in Wyoming, um, and that really created the landscape that we're living in today. All of the stuff that came before is important because it builds up the, all the pieces the glaciers come along and shape it. So there were three huge glacial uh, events in Wyoming uh, and some smaller ones in between. Uh, They're still studying a lot of that, uh, the different glacial epochs. But they start carving things and, and again, doing a lot more erosion. Uh, The mountains are still rising, but the glaciers are cutting them. Uh, Sedimentary rock is being washed out of the basins. So we start seeing the landscape kind of like it's uh, uh, shaping up to be what it looks like today. These tall mountains on all sides of the basin and the basin much lower. Uh, The glaciers carved the jaggedness of the mountains. Uh, Glaciers act like big bulldozers, essentially. They just push an enormous amount of material. Uh, At the same time, they're grinding things down because it's also like sandpaper. Um, You know, if you are familiar with Sinks Canyon, uh, uh, that's a glacially carved canyon big U-shaped canyon carved by glaciers. Uh, The ice was 1,000 feet taller than the cliffs that are there now, and those cliffs are pretty close to 800 feet high. So a huge amount of change that, again, gets us to more or less what the landscape looks like today, minus the ice, of course. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So so that sets up what we're going to talk about next, which is why it's important that the geography and the, and the geology of the area uh, created sort of the scene that we are in today and why people are here and animals and mineral industry and agriculture because without all of that geology, we don't have those things. So I'll let Stevie kind of take do the Dubois end of the mountains here, uh, end of the valley, and talk about that. Right, so um, Dubois, it, it gets, well, the town gets founded in the Wind River Basin, so it's nice and protected by a series of mountains that Randy talked about pretty much in all directions except to the southeast. Um, and as those glaciers are coming through and they are carving out the nice U-shaped valleys, um, forming new lakes, creating all these great habitats for different animals and everything, after they start to recede, uh, we see the first evidence of human occupation in the area. Um, so the glaciers are gone. As the glaciers go, Randy 
pointed out that they are hundreds of miles thick, this ice. So the glaciers are receding, and as they're receding, it actually causes the land underneath them to begin to rebound. So not only are you still accumulating sediment, causing the valleys to rise slowly, but the ground is also kind of springing back now that this massive amount of weight is off of them, and it's changing the landscape. Um, so yes, human occupation to get back on track around 10,000 years ago in the area around Dubois, um, there's the high rise village site. Um, and there is the, um, Helen looking bill site as well. And these are some of the earliest sites that we have, um, they think that the high-rise village site was actually occupied through the time that the Pacific Railroad was built in uh, through Wyoming, which is kind of mind-boggling. But it means that really all of this sediment has been um, deposited enough to start growing plant life and different grasses. The bighorn sheep can move into the area, the elk and the um, antelope and all of the kind of wild animals that we see now. Um, so in addition to that, um, eventually you not only have these kind of more fertile mountain areas, but you have these really heavily eroded landscapes in the badlands. Um, and the badlands are really just accumulated sediment that then is, has been eroded down. And it goes through what's called different oxidation events, which is why it has those red horizons in the rock. Those are all uh, minerals that are literally just being rusted out of the of the mountainside, and that's why they're turning red. Um, but those soils are not really very very rich for much, um, and they do surround Dubois quite a bit, um, which is part of the reason that the, the the town is not well known for its agricultural products in terms of farming or anything. And the hay that is grown in the area does have to be heavily irrigated, um, but it does create a really beautiful landscape. <laughs> um, we also have um, the timber on the mountainsides um, that does grow well and all of that timber gave rise to the tie hack industry in the area, the rivers that were all formed by some of the glaciers. Um, they, they all help that with the tie hacks and flow down into land or into Riverton. Um, so while we may not necessarily be great at growing crops, um, we can grow timber um, and we can support a community for quite a while. And um, yeah, it, it the weather is affected by the geology around Dubois. So we're, we're kind of in a nice little spot where we don't get as hot as our neighbors over here. I'm sure Randy has had some heat waves out in Lander that we've been able to avoid in Dubois for the most part. We don't get as much snow as other areas because the mountains all around us, again, kind of protect us. Um, it Yeah, it makes for a nice little kind of climate climate controlled region which is really wonderful and you don't necessarily think that it's the mountains around you that are kind of controlling all of that but it is so that's a fun fact mm -hmm. yeah well uh, Dubois is known as the warm valley because of the again just the way the uh, mountains are arranged there's a nice uh, breeze that flows down through the Dubois area and that breeze actually moderates the cold the lander is known for its lack of wind but that's kind of a problem in the winter because that cold air can just sit Settle. there in the valley and it gets a lot colder in Lander than it would be in Dubois in any given winter day. Right, right. The winds, I mean, they can also work against you. The mountains also funnel the wind, so the Wind River Valley is very aptly named. I very quickly found out when I moved to Wyoming, um, I don't think we've had one day without wind. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it can get a bit much. Uh, well, like I say, you know, depending on where you are in the county, Lander's very generally, not this year, it's been a windy a windy year this year, but generally pretty pretty calm, which mm. is uh, a nice compared to a lot of places in Wyoming. Um, so talking about the Lander Valley, uh, again, you know, the Dubois Valley, the Warm Valley, the uh, Lander Valley, all of these little valleys are part of the Wind River Basin, which is the bigger area. That's the big area surrounded by the, the mountains. Um, and the Lander Valley is a component of the Wind River Basin. And the Lander Valley is actually, uh, again, compared to Dubois in particular, uh, quite a rich agricultural area for a variety of reasons, but uh, a lot of it is the sediments are different. Um, one of the reasons the trees grow so well, the pine trees grow so well up in Dubois, is because of the volcanic rock that's up there. There's a the, the Yellowstone Volcanic Plateau, the, the volcanoes in uh, in Idaho, all of those dropped a lot of mineral-rich ash on the Dubois area, and most of the Absaroka Mountains are volcanic. And uh, pine trees like that soil. They do very well in that soil. Um, uh, other things don't do so well. But in the Lander Valley, the sediments are, are, are deposited in such a way that it is very good agricultural area, and we have the water too. The, so we're in the Papoja drainage. So the North Fork, the Middle Fork, and the North or the Little Papoja bring a lot of comparatively for <laughs> Wyoming, you know, Wyoming, a lot of water into the Lander Valley. It has to be moved around because those rivers only uh, water the areas they're in, so there's lots of irrigation, lots of ditches that move that water where it's needed for agriculture. But uh, crops do grow well in the Lander Valley, and some of it is the lack of wind. Again, the Lander Valley is protected from the wind. There are a lot of crops, apples in particular, that do not like wind. Uh, Lander Valley is protected from that, again, by the nature of its geology. We have pretty good soil. Uh, in some parts less so than others, but a lot of it's good, rich soil, and you have the water. So you have the components there to grow crops that you can't grow around Dubois. Now, the whole area is cattle country uh, and sheep country. So, uh, again, sheep in particular were very big in this uh, whole county, not just Lander or Riverton, but also Dubois, for a lot of reasons. One, they can eat pretty much anything and do. Uh, They're a lot easier to manage than cattle. Uh, but the uh, there is the grass and stuff that can support uh, the, sheep. the sheep and the cattle. So that's kind of uniform around the county. Lander and Riverton tend to be more focused on uh, the crops. Uh, sugar beets are very big around Riverton. Uh, again, the, the, the climate and the soil uh, and the fact that, again, you have these irrigation projects that can get water to where it needs to be. Uh, make a big difference as far as growing. Again, sugar beets are a big crop. Barley is a big crop around the Riverton area. Uh, so, again, the geology sort of defines what you can grow here. You know, the, like if you lived in Arizona, that geology defines what happens down there, which is very different than Wyoming, even though they're both technically deserts, uh, right. is in the technical ten- sense of the word. So, uh, uh, again, we, you know, people are here, and they have been for thousands of years. You know, the there are sites along the Sweetwater River that date back, have been uh, archaeologically dated back 10,000 years. Uh, there's sites in Sinks Canyon that have been dated back 8,000 years. So people have been here for a very long time. And there's reasons for that because it's a good place to live. That's why we live here today. Yeah, and, you know, once when, when we start looking at some of the petroglyph sites too, a lot of people always want to know how old are the petroglyphs. And the only thing that we can really say is dating 
by relativity. So we know that the glacier had to have come through first. It needed to have carved the valley. It needed to have exposed all of those sandstones that the petroglyphs are carved on. Um, so we can always, we can give a general, it's older than and younger than, but it's difficult to then date the, the sandstone because it's not a, it's not a datable rock in the ways that a lot of other materials can be dated. Um, but yeah, the p- people have been using that valley for, for a really long time. Um, and you can look around and you can see these, you know, huge boulders, these glacial erratics that are taken out of the glacier as it moves across the landscape. So the glacier is pushing, you know, soils and large stones. And as it melts, it drops that out. Um, and in the Tory Valley, just east of Dubois, you see a lot of those glacial erratics. You see a lot of the moraines, which mark the boundaries of the extent of the glacier. So we have terminal moraines, which is the end of the glacier, and we have lateral moraines, which mark out the sides of the glacier. And you can look in, at the landscape and you can see these very large piles of very big boulders and it's not like anything else on the landscape. Um, and that's how you read the glacial, the glacial movement. But as the glacier stopped, that's where it would deposit a lot of its good, good soils or it's better soils or everything that it, you know, that it accumulated and they moved vast distances. I know it's not Wyoming related, but as an East coast girl, I can say that the reason that New Jersey has some of the best soils in the country is because the glaciers pushed everything from Canada all the way down to Southern Jersey and then dropped it. Mm -hmm. And they are notorious for having wonderful farmland down there. Um, just because it's so rich, it's been, it was pushed for miles Mm -hmm. and miles and miles and dropped and glaciers can do some pretty awesome things. Same thing for Illinois. Iowa, all of mm-hmm. those, you know, the, they were kind of on the edge of where the glacial sheets were coming down out of Canada, and they, they brought a lot of soil with them. Uh, and, yeah, so that kind of, you know, the glaciers really do, I think, define our modern existence in a lot of ways that people don't think about. Uh, again, without those, uh, without that soil being moved and dropped where it was, it, agriculture in this country would look considerably different. In this country, I mean the whole country, not just Wyoming, because uh, Wyoming's agriculture is considerably different than New Jersey's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, so speaking uh, again about you know how the geology defines uh, the, the landscape, and, and the rivers are the key to this for a lot of things. Uh, the Wind River being the big one, obviously, that goes through the whole the whole uh, basin. Uh, but the tributary rivers, the Little Papoja, the Middle Fork, the uh, Little Wind River, all of those rivers were uh, 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 are where they are because of the, again because of the carving of the the glaciers that carved out the canyons for them and the valleys for them. Um, an interesting exception to the glacially carved canyons is the Wind River Canyon, which I don't know if you've been through that yet, Stevie, but that is actually not a glacially carved canyon. Uh, the Wind River flows through Wind River Canyon at the basically the eastern boundary of uh, the Wind River Basin, uh, east of Riverton, and uh, it actually uh, uh, is... Uh, carved that canyon out with just water power. So it's a oh. much narrower canyon. You know, Sinks Canyon is very wide. The North Fork Canyon is very wide. The Torrey Valley is very wide. Very wide. Because of those glaciers. But Wind River Canyon is very narrow because it's just the force of the river cutting down as those Owl Creek Mountains were being lifted up. Uh, you know, that was, again, during the Eocene when, when the uh, uh, uplift was happening. But 
the rivers which were there were cutting down. And so that's a very unique uh, area compared to a lot of uh, canyons in that's in lander that's actually east of riverton east that's of on riverton. the way okay. so we go to shoshone and head to thermopolis i was just up in thermopolis over the weekend so we drove through the canyon it's a spectacular it's a spectacular drive it's yet. a beautiful yeah it's really neat the drive i mean thermopolis is neat too and that's of course part of the bighorn basin but uh because you're cutting you're going through the owl creeks which is the sort of the eastern boundary of the wind river basin and the western boundary of the bighorn basin so you end up in a different basin but uh again neat neat area uh and of course you know we should probably mention the, the tourism because people come here to see our mountains and to float our rivers and to fish our rivers and without the geology uh, creating those things those they wouldn't be here we would again possibly look like Iowa <laughs> or someplace <laughs> like that, which yeah, that has its attraction, you know, but you know, those, the j- rag jugged or j- or ragged mountains that we have and the spectacular landscapes that we have, the badlands, which are beautiful in their own way. Those are all a function of the geology and people come from a long way to see those and experience right. that landscape because it is unique. It's very different. Something you're not going to see in Southern California or upstate New York. Right. Uh, you, you know, people really want to experience those, those wild landscapes and we have them here i was a little surprised you said thermopolis and i was expecting to talk about the hot springs and the geology that formed the hot springs um because we have a lot of them in fremont county Mm -hmm. and i have yet to be to any of them i won't (laughs) lie but i am really looking forward to it one of these weekends i'll get out there but when you have the hot springs that are spread all around Fremont County, what you're really looking at is like a soft spot in the Earth's crust where the heat from the from the interior of the Earth is actually rising to the surface and it's naturally heating up all those waters. Um, it's very rich in bacterial life. Um, it's a really great place to look at different kinds of rocks and how different things are formed. And some of them are warm enough that we can actually swim in them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Other ones that you see like out in Yellowstone are too hot to go in, but we're lucky that we've got some nice ones to draw in mm-hmm. tourists. Yeah, and, and yeah, the if people, I don't think people realize just how many hot springs there are in Fremont County. We always think about Thermopolis as being the big one, and it is, or, or Yellowstone. Uh, you know, Thermopolis is the, as far as volume goes, the biggest hot spring in the world. Mm. Uh, it's 2.1 million gallons a day, I think, that oh, come wow. out of that spring. The spring itself is actually looks very small, but there's a lot of water that flows out of it. There are certainly bigger ones space-wise up in Yellowstone. But but there are hot springs across, across the uh, county, and uh, a lot of them are on private land, some are on public land. But uh, again, another interesting geologic quirk of this area, and it's it all related to ultimately to the Yellowstone hotspot because that you know st- uh, is, is the giant fault kind of in the mm-hmm. area that's causing all this friction, mm-hmm. all this heat, and yeah, it's it allows all like little cracks in the earth is where all that heat mm-hmm. is coming up from. So when you have the big geyser events and everything in Yellowstone, mm-hmm. it's like it's a pressure point. Yeah, there's little tiny breaks that are. Mm-hmm. fissuring out from there yeah yeah it's like so there's lots of interesting again i i'm not a geologist so i find it very interesting and i, I i've read a lot about it because i find it interesting but it, this is a pl- and we have up in sinks canyon the university of missouri has been coming there since 
1901 or something like that to study geology, and they bring students from all over the world. It isn't just University of Missouri students. It's students from universities all over the world that come to study our geology because you can see it. That's the other unique thing about uh, Wyoming and this part of Wyoming in particular is you can see where the glaciers were. You can see where the Precambrian rock is. You can see the sedimentary layers. And again, you know, people do come here to, and the fossils. You know, people come right. to study the fossils that we have. So it's a, a rich, rich area in a lot of ways. And uh, again, the geology sort of defines defines who we are and why we're here. I, I mean, I think it's really interesting. So hopefully okay. hopefully you guys have enjoyed our, our talk and you have a little bit of a mental image about all of these events that happened. You know, if you're interested in following up on it, there was a couple of, just I'll throw a couple of plugs in here for some places that have geology exhibits. Uh, the Sinks Canyon Visitor Center in, outside of Lander has some very interesting geology exhibits, primarily focused on the canyon, but it does talk about the bigger picture geology. The Dinosaur Center in Thermopolis is mm. a, a well worth a stop. Uh, again, the focus there is obviously on dinosaurs, but uh, really nicely done, very well done. Uh, and they, of course, they talk about geology because they're talking about the formations that the dinosaurs came out of. They have a field trip that you can go on actually out to the dig sites, which is, I highly what? recommend. It's <laughs> neat. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh so, so those are a couple of places you can learn more about the geology uh, of, of this area. Um, there are a couple of good books. The Roadside Geology of Wyoming, which I have sitting here beside me, is always an eye. I carry that one around with me in my car because I'm always seeing something going, oh, that's cool. Let me read about that. So there yeah, are there are resources. Road cuts are a surprisingly good mm-hmm. place to look for geology if you can't get to a mountain mm-hmm. or to a valley or, yeah. um, you know, you're not just – not maybe the biggest outdoor fan. Um, yeah, the highway cuts, mm-hmm. they're, they're a great place to look at the different rocks. Yep, yep. So I guess that might be about the end of our little talk. We should probably talk about what's coming up at the different museums. Anything yeah. happening up in, uh, well, up in Dubois? Well, related to all of this geology talk, we will have somebody on the 7th at the museum, uh, one of the professors from the University of Kansas. He's going to be giving a talk entitled More more than Yellowstone, and he's going to be talking about volcanic um, activity in the area. That talk is free. Um, he's going to be doing a trek, a corresponding trek with us on Friday, but I believe that has uh, been filled, although I encourage you to sign up, um, and we can put you on a standby list if you if you are interested, but it's a timely event given our topic for the podcast this month. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, at the Lander Museum, we're still doing almost all of our programming virtually uh, with the COVID crisis that's going on. Um, we do, I just posted it uh, this morning. We have a uh, Historic Homes of Lander uh, video that is just went on this morning. It's on YouTube and also on the uh, 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 Pioneer Museum Facebook page. Uh, either of those you can access. And then coming up in August, we have a historic walking tour of Landers Main Street that will also be virtual. Uh, And then also in August, we have our other trek, which is the historic Ed Young Apple Orchards. And uh, so those are coming up. Keep Again, we would normally do those things live, and maybe by next year we'll be able to do that again. But right now, everything we're doing is virtual. 
Yes, we we are having our speaker um, just because we're doing it outside. So weather weather pending, everybody who's listening and may want to come, just keep that in mind. (laughs) Maybe bring an umbrella, especially if the day ends up being like today, which is kind of rainy and thundering out. Yeah, which we could use more of (laughs) as the dry country (laughs) we were talking about earlier uh, that we are in. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and we will hopefully uh, be back next month with a new and exciting podcast for you. So, All right. Before we go, we just want to thank our sponsor, McPryor, a financial advisor with Edward Jones. Remember, long-term goals mean long-term plans. So let McPryor, your Edward Jones financial advisor, help you accomplish these goals. Call or stop in and make sure you let them know you heard about them on Rediscover the Wins. <laughs>